Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Let me call our attention one more time to the book of Romans, chapter number 12. The book of Romans, chapter number 12. If I am correct, this is either the 89th or 90th message we preach from the book of Romans. What a blessing. Uh, What a privilege to be able to take the time that we have taken going through the book of Romans. Tonight we're going to be considering verse number 14, 15, and 16 and looking at what they have to say. But I want to go back and pick up in verse number 9 and read down through verse number 16. The Bible said in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9, Let love be without dissimulation, arbor not that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one toward another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not the high things that condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for your word. We pray as we look into your word, may you illuminate your word. Uh, May you manifest yourself and make your word known to us. Allow us as we see the scripture to have a greater and better understanding of you. Lord, as we saw this morning that we need to know you. And Lord... Now, in this time when we know you, we want to know more about you. And Lord, we ask you that you'd help us to do that this evening through the Scripture. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture, almost no one experiences either... I guess what I'm trying to say, it's it's difficult to do what these scriptures are saying, but that's what the Bible teaches us to do. We're, our, our personalities are contrary to this, uh, but the scriptures are teaching us some things. In fact, uh, everything that we're looking at tonight, even as uh, was alluded to the past two weeks, All of the things that we see in this section of Scripture, in this portion of Scripture, hinge on 
what we see in verse number 1 where it tells us about the mercies of God. It is the mercies of God that become a matter of display in these verses. Uh, Just like Paul did in the book of Ephesians when he took chapters 1, 2, and 3 and gave us the doctrinal background, if you will, and then in 4, 5, and 6, he told us what that looked like in our life. And I know Jeffrey covered that uh, the last two weeks. But that's what Paul's doing here. And he's taken what he mentioned in this first section of this chapter and especially hinging those things on the mercies of God that we saw. Uh, All of the things that we are instructed to demonstrate, if you will, in our lives, those things that we are instructed to manifest in our life, we manifest because of the mercies of God that were presented to us. Because of the mercies of God that we, we have experienced in our life. But he tells us here in verse number 14, he said, Bless them which persecute you. Bless them, uh, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. Uh, as we look at this, perhaps... Uh, I guess if we were begin to, to begin to look at it, perhaps family members have been uh, mean to us because we're Christians and yet we're instructed to do things in our own life in this passage of Scripture. Uh, or maybe we've come to a point that maybe a professor in a university ridiculed us in the front of the class because we believe in God. Or maybe we had some teacher in high school that did the same thing, or we had something that went on. Maybe we had a friend, maybe whatever it was, that demonstrated toward us hostilities, but yet, we even through all of that, we've not experienced the kind of ridicule that those that are overseas, those that are actually under the persecution uh, uh, in, because of their stand for Christ. While I'm not belittling the type of persecution that I just mentioned, I think you'd readily agree with me that it does not compare to those that we see that have been slaughtered for the cause of Christ. Although those are things, those are types of persecution, even as light as they may be. In addition to persecution, Paul jumps into two other topics here. He says... Uh, the, the, he, the two topics that he deals with outside of persecution is that of sympathy and that of humility. And we're going to look at those as we go down through here. He tells us to be of the same mind one toward another. Uh, don't be haughty in our minds. Don't be associated uh, with the lowly. Uh, do not be wise in your own estimation, if you will. In, pa- in fact, the Bible tells us in another place that we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Uh, are these just random thoughts that Paul's throwing out, or is this going junction with what Paul's already said? Uh, you and I understand that this goes in conjunction with everything that he has taught us from the very first of this chapter 
where he said in verse number one, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And as I've already said, that's where all these things hinge is on the mercies of God. Now he's showing us what this transformed. In fact, look back up, if you will, in verse number one and verse number two. In fact, in verse number two, he makes this statement, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What Paul's instructing us in these verses goes all the way back up to that. And what I want to deal with this evening, the Lord being our helper, is having transformed attitudes. Having transformed attitudes. And that's what Paul's instructing us here. Is our attitudes are transformed. How are they transformed? They're transformed by the renewing of our mind. How does that happen? It happens by the mercies of God. You see how it all ties back up uh, to the mercies of God. God presents His mercies to us. Then our minds are transformed. And because our minds are transformed according to the Scriptures, then we have transformed attitudes. And our attitudes display different things toward people than we would ordinarily display. Our mentality, if we're not... if, If our normal mentality, if we don't... Uh, if we don't transform our minds and renew our minds by the Word of God, if we don't do that, our normal mentality is a lash back mentality. It's a get even mentality. It's a get, uh, if somebody does me wrong, I'm going to do them wrong. It's that kind of mentality. But Paul's telling us not to have that kind of mentality. He's showing us what this transformed, renewed mind looks like. It blesses its enemies who have persecuted them. It sympathizes with others in their joys and in their sorrows. And it genuinely demonstrates humility. I'm not talking about the person demonstrating humility that would say, if you'll be back this afternoon, I'll teach you on my humility and how I obtained it. That's not true humility. But Paul's telling us these things that we ought to have in our lives. There's another connection between these three uh, that are seemingly, they, they seem like, well, if you were to just read down through this and you were not considering all of the verses before it, if you were not pulling them into the context in which they are, if you're not looking at them in light of the, the, the context around them, They're going to seem disjointed. They're going to seem like Paul just blurts out a statement. But you and I understand because we've walked systematically through the book of Romans, we understand what Paul's telling us. We understand that by the mercies of God, God has allowed us to be transformed. He's allowed us to renew our minds. And because of that, these are things that are displayed in our lives because of that. Otherwise, you and I are we're selfish instead of selfless. And we're, we're self-absorbed instead of practicing self-denial. Uh, and those are the things that we're looking at. We can only bless our persecutors and not curse them 
if we are more concerned about their eternal welfare than we are concerned about our suffering. You and I are only going to bless them and only be that person that doesn't lash out against them if we're more concerned about their eternal welfare than we are concerned about our suffering and what we had to go through. Uh, When we get concerned about what we had to go through, then we're getting back into that selfishness instead of the selflessness. We're getting back into that that self-absorption than being part of that self-denial. Uh, We can only rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep if if the focus is off of ourselves and on those people. It is only by the mercies of God that we demonstrate that in our life. We don't demonstrate that unless God's mercies have been uh, revealed in our lives. We can only be of the same mind one toward another and not haughty, but wise and not wise in our own estimation or in our own eyes, only as the Lord has shown us mercies and we demonstrate those mercies as we move forward. Selflessness is the thread that ties all three of these verses together. Let me say that again. Selflessness is the thread that ties 14, 15, and 16 together. So we're going to look at this evening, the Lord being our helper, on the mercies of God as it calls us to bless our enemies, sympathize with others, and practice humility. We're going to look at how the mercies of God calls us to do that. You can tell a lot about a person and his and her attitude especially when he or she is going through difficult times. That is when the attitude rears its head. Whether it be good or whether it be bad, it is in difficult times is when the attitude rears its head. Whether it is a good attitude or whether it's a bad attitude, that's when it surfaces, that's when it displays itself. So we want to look at what God tells us and look at a test of genuine change when our attitude is changed. And we're going to look at that by looking at the mercies of God's call to, of us to bless our enemies. We want to look in on that first one as we consider this in verse number 14. It said, bless them that persecute you. Bless and curse not. Bless them that persecute you. Bless and curse not. You and I have an instruction. By blessing, Paul means genuinely praying for and seeking the well-being of the persecutor. That's not an easy thing to do. If you are facing persecution, for us to allow the mercies of God to be at work in our lives, that doesn't mean that you and I lose the mercies of God. It just means that we are allowing the mercies of God that have been demonstrated to us to be at work in our life toward those that are persecuting us. God gives us the opportunity to, in fact, that is 
That is the world seeing us in Christ. That is the world seeing us as being recipients of that mercy by demonstrating that mercy toward those that are around us. Uh, You and I are, uh, it's a means of asking God to save the one who is mistreating us, which is the greatest blessing of all. Uh, You and I, if we have the mercies of God and we're displaying the mercies of God in our life, then if there are those around us that are persecuting us, then we will genuinely pray for their salvation. Sometimes we pray for others because if we pray for them and our prayers answered, it'll be better for us. That's not a genuine prayer for their salvation. A genuine prayer for their salvation is that you pray for them because of a genuine burden for because you know where they're at. You know, you, you know that uh, without God, they're going to die and go to hell. Without knowing God, they're going to spend eternity in a devil's hell. And if that be the case, you and I have a burden for them, then that is a genuine display of the mercies of God in our life, praying for them, not that it make our life better, but praying for them that they know God, that they genuinely are born again, that they genuinely uh, become a child of God, praying that God would save them. There's probably not anybody that uh, prayed more earnest for those that were persecuting him than than Stephen. And his prayer was answered because Paul was born again. Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. You and I understand, we understand the grace of God. We understand that God, uh, God intended on saving Paul. But Stephen prayed for them. As, as, even as he was dying, he prayed. Uh, as we understand that uh, the very necessity is that we pray for those that persecute us. And that's what Paul's telling us here in verse number 14. He said, bless them which persecute you. There is no greater blessing that you and I can demonstrate toward them than to pray for their salvation. Than to pray that they would be saved. uh, That they would be born again. By not cursing, he does not mean not swearing at him. uh, But rather not calling down the curses of God upon him. I mean, have we we prayed before? Uh, Lord, vindicate me. I'm being persecuted. Lord, vindicate me. I'm doing what's right, God. Because I'm doing what's right, you, you show them that I'm right and show them that they're wrong. That's not a, that's not a, a prayer of genuine, the genuine mercies of God that are displayed in our life. Our, our prayer for them ought to be for their salvation. Uh, not, once again, that not that it make us make it better for us. Uh, my brother-in-law at one time uh, was 
was actually facing some difficulties at work and uh, they were persecuting him at work because uh, he had uh, said that God had called him to preach and he was under some persecution because of that. He was having a hard time dealing with that. So my dad shared the scripture with him that if we pray for them, that would heap coals of fire upon their head. He said, good, I'll start praying for them that God heap coals of fire upon their head. That is not, it's not going to happen that way. And the reason it's not going to happen that way is because that prayer is not going to be heard. Uh, that's not going to, uh, we're, we're not to pray so that they enter the judgment of God. We're not to pray so they enter the wrath of God. Why? Because they're already condemned. They're already under the wrath of God. They're already under the judgment of God. And you and I need to pray that God show mercy to them and save them so that they are not going to spend eternity in hell. As we have opportunity, we are to seek to help those ones that have wronged us. We're to seek to do good to those that have not done good to us. We should not speak evil about them or get delight in thinking evil things that can happen to them. Uh, how many times have we been genuinely persecuted and we think, yeah, well, they'll get their own. Uh, that's not the mercies of God being displayed in us. The mercies of God being displayed in us is that the, we, they, we wish them no ill. We want good things for them. We want... We want them to see their need for salvation. He said, be merciful. You, uh, just as your Father is merciful is what He told us in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 11 and 12. He said, Bless, blessed are you when people insult or revile you or persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you. Uh, he said, that was, that was, those things were being said because of himself. So you and I are to do good to those that are despitefully using us. Even Peter said this in response to the evil. He said, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving blessing instead uh, for those that uh, are, were called for the very purpose that you might inherit the blessing or blessings. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 35, He Himself is kind and ungrateful to evil men. Uh, you and I understand that in the economy of these, in, in light of these verses, you and I are to, we're to uh, bless them that persecute us. And in doing so, we will display the mercies of God. And that's what God wants for us in our life. Number two, the mercies of God call for us to sympathize with others. The mercies of God call for us to bless them that curse us. The mercies of God call for us to sympathize with others. We're to be sympathetic in our lives. We're to care for others. In fact, he tells us here in verse number 15, he said, Rejoice with them that do rejoice. 
Then he also says, and weep with them that weep. How many times have we seen others that it seems as though God is blessing them, but yet we become envious rather than being joyful over what God is blessing them with. He tells us here, be uh, rejoice with them that do rejoice. And there's no ultimate rejoicing like the rejoicing of those that get born again, those that get saved. We're to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. The, ca- the command is not as difficult as verse number 14. But still, it's, it, it, it isn't necessarily easy for us to do either. It's not as difficult for us as blessing those that curse us, but it's not as easy uh, when we see others receiving blessings that maybe we haven't received and we are to rejoice with them. Not only are we to rejoice with those that rejoice, but we are to weep with those that weep. If, we, if, if that is genuine in our life, once again, we are displaying or allowing God to display in us the mercies of God. What does God want for us? He wants for us to be seen in Him, therefore allowing Him to display Himself in us. And if we allow people to see that, if that is going on in our life, that's what Paul's getting at here. If you and I are at rest in Christ, if you and I are at rest in the mercies of God, then those mercies of God are going to make themselves evident in these things. It's going to make itself evident in Blessing those that persecute. It's going to make itself evident in rejoicing with those that rejoice. Genuine rejoicing. Being genuinely happy that others may be receiving blessings that maybe you desire but you haven't received yet. And yet you and I rejoice one with another because of what God is doing in their lives. So those things can be displayed and uh, in doing so, God is, God is allowing us to be a display for Him. We become a trophy of His grace. We become a display of what He has said. Then He, he tells us to weep with those that weep. That weeping with those that weep is a genuine, a genuine response toward those that are in difficult times. Those that are in hard times. You're sympathetic toward them. You're not just sympathetic because you're not in that situation. You're sympathetic with them because you genuinely hurt for them being in that situation. An example of that, a little girl lost a playmate in death. One day she told her parents that she was going to comfort the grieving mother. What did you say to her? Her parents asked her. She said, I 
She said, I said nothing. I climbed up in her lap and loved her. That's genuine mercies being displayed. That's genuinely weeping with those that weep. Hurting with those that hurt. Aching with those that ache. And that's what Paul is saying that if we have the mercies of God and we see the mercies of God as it is in Scripture, those things are going to be displayed in our life. Those things are going to come natural. It's not going to be that, that you have to somehow, when, when those things happen, you have to <clears throat> pull back up that illustration that I just mentioned and, and decide, I'm going to do this. No, it's something that just comes natural. Why? Because the mercies of God are on display in our life. Not because we worked up the mercies of God but because we reside in the mercies of God. Because the mercies of God resides in us. And because of that, we genuinely hurt when those around us hurt. We rejoice when those around us rejoice. Paul, once again, is telling us those things are on display in our lives when we genuinely see the mercies of God the way we ought to see the mercies of God. And what does the mercies of God do for us as we see in verse uh, number 2? It said, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is that will of God? That the mercies of God be displayed in our life. That the mercies of God be seen in our life. God won't, that is, that is the best for us when it is on display for others. It is the best for us to have those mercies displayed in our life when we are allowing that to take place. That is the best for us. Not only does the mercies of God call us to bless them that curse us, not only does it call us to sympathize with others, but the mercies of God calls us to practice humility. To practice humility. Look at what he says in verse number 16. And we could have, we could have looked at Verse number 15 actually kind of bleeds down into, we didn't cover those things, but it kind of bleeds down into verse number 16. Look back up in verse number 15. He said, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but be uh, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. That last part, is a display of the parts before it. The mercies of God allow us to sympathize with others. The mercies of God allow us to have those things displayed in our life. And as those things are displayed in our life, we are of going to be of the same mind. If you're rejoicing with those that rejoice, if you're weeping with those that weep, is that not being of the same mind? It says, being of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. 
Here is another one that becomes difficult for us. Is to practice that humility. Genuine humility is us seeing ourselves as we are. Understanding that before we were born again, before we were saved, we were of low estate. We were of the lowest estate. We were under the wrath and condemnation of God. And God showed forth His mercies and God saved us. And if we understand that through the mercies of God we were born again, we were saved, and it was not of ourselves, then we recognize that we have nothing and nowhere to lift ourselves up in. We don't lift ourselves up in what we didn't do to start with. We're lifted up in the mercies of God. And when we're lifted up in the mercies of God, it is displayed in humility because we understand we didn't pick ourselves up. I didn't do better. God displayed His grace and mercies upon me. God revealed Himself to me. And because of that, I was born again. And when I was born again, it was not because of anything I did. It was not because of anything I said. It was not because of anything I brought to the table. It was all because of God. It was God... It was God demonstrating His grace and demonstrating His mercy in my life. And because of that and understanding that, then I am not going to be bound up in my own conceits. He tells us in the latter part of verse number 16, Be not wise in your own conceits. I'm not going to be wise in my own conceits. I'm going to practice humility in my life because I see who I am. Paul made the statement. He said that life that I now live in the flesh, I live how? By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul said the life that I now live in the flesh, Paul persecuted the church, did he not? Paul went after the church to try to destroy the church. Paul wanted to do away with the man called Christ. Paul wanted to do away with the followers of the man called Christ. He wanted to persecute everything. But he says now, after he's been saved, he said the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul wasn't saying... He was no longer. Remember what Paul used to say? He said, he said if, I, if I had anywhere to boast, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. I was taught by the best. I knew what I knew. I knew the law. I understood the law. I was, I was practicing the law. And because of that, I was lifted up in who I was. But he was brought down low on the road to Damascus. Why? Because he came face to face with the mercies of God. Amen. And because of that, Paul said, the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul was of low estate at that point. 
Paul went from town to town doing what? Preaching the gospel he one time persecuted. Preaching the gospel of the truth of God that he one time tore apart. Paul understood the mercies of God. But because Paul understood the mercies of God, he lived in humility. He was reaching out. Every time you find the Apostle Paul, he's reaching out to someone. He's trying to demonstrate to them the mercies of God so that they too can be born again as he is born again. He's preaching the gospel. Doesn't mean that Paul was any less a man. Doesn't mean that Paul's personality was changed. He was the same person that he always was. But but things changed in him just like things changed in you and I when we got saved. Our desires changed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. The Holy Spirit of God changes our thinking, changes our thoughts, changes our practices. We understand that Paul is not insisting that we walk alike and agree on everything all the time, which isn't going to happen in life. It never will happen in life. Rather, he is calling us to a unity based upon our common salvation, our shared purpose in the gospel, our shared hope in Christ. Paul is telling us to be of the same mind, to be of the the, the, the same thought in what? In our common salvation. The blessing is... That Miss Claudette wasn't saved any different than I was saved. And I wasn't saved any different than she was. The blessing is we were saved alike. We have that common salvation. God showed Himself to us. God allowed us to be saved. Everyone that's been saved had been saved the same way. We could go all the way back to the Old Testament. We could go to Moses. We could go to Noah. We could go to Adam. We could go to to Abraham. We could go to Isaac. We could go to Jacob. We could go anywhere we wanted to go. We could go to David. We could go to anywhere we wanted to go. They were all saved the same way. And for the same purpose. That God be glorified. So understand that Paul is calling us to be of the same mind in our common salvation In our purpose of the gospel, we are to be the same. And in our shared hope in Christ. His command does not suggest that we set aside essential doctrines of truth for the sake of unity. That's not what he's saying. He's saying those are truths and we should gather around those truths. There should be unity around those truths. With all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance one to another in love, and be diligent to preserve unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, is what he tells us. Do not be haughty in our minds. Do not be haughty in our minds. It means either the low things or lowly people or both. The verb is associated with and is literally to be carried away by. As a flood sweeps away someone, sweeps someone away. 
You and I are to be carried away with these things in the mercies of God alongside of one another. So the idea is not to resist doing low tasks, but to be carried away with doing them. You and I are not to, we're not to look down on someone and say that's a lowly task. No, we're to be part of that. We're to be diligent to be part of that. He said not to resist the lowly task, but be carried away with them doing them. If you see trash on the floor, pick it up. If you see trash on the ground, pick it up. There's no one of us that is better than the other. We're to be about the same task, doing the same thing, displaying the same mercies of God. And then he tells us not to be wise in our own estimations. In, pro, pro, in fact, that is a statement that comes from Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Paul is going back to what he knew the Word of God says. To not be wise in our own eyes. Through Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23 and 24, the Lord warns us, Be not, wise, be not a wise man boast, uh, that boasts of his own wisdom, and let not the haughty man boast of his might. You and I are to be allowing God to declare Himself through us. And we'll do that if we practice these things that we see, if we practice the fact that we bless those that persecute us, if we practice the fact that we are sympathetic with those that are around us, we rejoice with those that rejoice, we weep with those that weep, we be of the same mind one toward another, we, we dwell in unity, and then we find ourselves in humility around one another. In conclusion this afternoon, let me ask you these questions. How transformed are our attitudes? When we genuinely look at ourselves, how transformed are our attitudes? If they're not as transformed as the Scriptures tell us that they need to be, then we need to go back to chapter, uh, chapter 12 and verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not transformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your minds that ye might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul is tying all of this back on to the mercies of God. That's the way they become displayed in our life. Are we blessing those that wrong us? Or are we cursing them? And again, Paul's not talking about using curse words. He's talking about praying against them. How do we pray for those that wrong us? There was a particular time in my life, I'll give you this illustration. I don't use many personal illustrations, but there was a particular time in my life that I was really done wrong by a group of people. And the Lord allowed me a space of about three weeks to just wallow around in that and brood in that and just let myself just be what it was. And after about three weeks, God said, oh, okay, that's enough. Now you start praying for them. 
I mean, I can almost tell you where I was when God said, no, that's enough. You, you, you've had enough time of brooding. Now you start praying for them. And God broke my heart for them, Brother Charles. Not, not that it made my life better because we didn't come in contact with each other anymore. But it broke my heart because of what they had going on in their life. Not that I saw myself better. God broke my heart. Genuinely broke my heart for the people and the situation they were in. That's what God's talking about. Having that broken heart. Are we blessing those that wrong us? Are we sympathizing with those around us in their joys and in their sorrows? Are we practicing humility through true Christian unity? Through being quick to take on lowly jobs and to befriend people that are of no earthly status. And though not being through not being impressed with our own wisdom. How do we think of ourselves? When we begin to think of ourselves higher than we ought to think of ourselves, let me give you a challenge that you think of your when you begin to recognize that you are thinking of yourselves more highly than you ought then see yourselves in the light of Christ. And it'll bring you back where you need to be. But Paul's telling us to have these things displayed in our life. He's telling us that if, the, if you and I are truly seeing verse, verse number 1, verse number 2 of Romans chapter number 12 in our life, then these things that we've talked about will be displayed in our life. Why? Because it is God displaying them. It is God that has purposed them and allowed them to be part of our life. Let's pray.